This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> Another beautiful day on the Victor Bravo Golf Course. The sun is shining, the birds are about, and there's a sudden buzz in the crowd. Michael Michelson steps up to the tee box. 15th hole here, driver's recommended. <laughs> oh, is he a caveman? Because it suddenly clumped that one. What do you reckon, George? <laughs> I mean, did he hit that with a dictionary? Because that was a terrible read. <laughs> G'day, welcome. This is Golf. Andrew Dado is my name. It's a podcast about the game of golf, obviously, and I'm in one of my favourite places, and that's Phil Baird's office. Phil is the pro at Manly. Uh, he's got his mate Ted Sterling with him. Ted's been on the program. Phil's been on the program. Phil's office is full of stuff. To some people, it's junk. Anyway, I've brought some junk along. Phil's brought some junk along. Ted is junk. No, <laughs> I brought myself. <laughs> Ted's brought himself. Ted's seen a lot of junk <laughs> Ted's in, a lot of in junk. his day. So what, are, what we're going to talk about today, apart from, well, I don't know, who knows where we're going to go, but it's always interesting with these two, is the joy of the old golf equipment. So you find it on the street, you'll find it in Vinnie's, you'll find it in op shops, but why bother? Why do we need it? And that's why we need these two to talk about it. Now, Phil, just quickly, when did you first come to golf? Just answer me that one. I came to golf as a 10-year-old, and I was a, uh, I was a caddy at Kalara Golf Club as a 10-year-old boy, and uh, I, um, I was introduced to the game by just, yeah, walking around, and, you know, pulling a bag for, t- for $3 was the caddy fee back then, <laughs> and that was in 1976. Um, under uh, under Dave Mercer at Kalara, and um, and then, and back in the day, um, you know there, there were caddies. Caddies would line up for morning, and uh, and that's how we actually learned the game. Right. And funny enough, some of the things we're talking about today, I had I have vivid memories as a 10, 12 year old club cleaner at Kalara, seeing all of these old clubs back then, which were the thing of the of, of the time. And right. here it is, forty five years later. Yeah. Um, we're now marvelling at the at how good they well, were. We're, we're marvelling at it. Other people do not marvel. No, at it. they just look at it. What a lot of junk! Is is there anything now that people are playing with right now that we're going to look at in that you think we'll look at in forty years time and go, my God, that apart from say Adam Scott's new uh, Mura irons that are just a thing yep. of beauty that we're going to go. 
That's oh, look, I, I don't know about that. I think, Ted, you'd agree that the um, between the RNA and the USGA, they've, they've, they, they've allowed companies to push the legalities of the equipment to the limits yeah, with, sure. with regard to the thin-faced, trampoline-faced drivers, the golf ball. Yep. The golf ball now is um, it's a human missile. It, 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 it doesn't move much through the air. Um, and, you know, um, I've just been away for a couple of days playing a hickory event, and we had a discussion with our little, with our little um, funny group of uh, golf enthusiasts, <laughs> and we are talking about old gear and in relation to the old gear from the 60s and 70s and 80s doesn't like the modern ball. Right. And the um, and the modern gear these days doesn't like the old ball, so um, that's that's it, it, it's it's interesting how um, that's just how it is. It's so, um, but when you play the hickories, you play with the uh, the soft the the soft ball. feel, or yeah, the, yeah, like a, like a Callaway super soft or the yeah, softest soft, ball you can get feel. because a a hickory a, cl- a hickory club which is a hundred year old um, uh, wooden wooden uh, shaft club. Um, does not like a modern day ball because it's like hitting a, a brick. You know, right. it, it likes something that's very um, soft compression, that's cheesy, that reacts to the face. Okay, yeah. something tactile. Um, uh, hi, um, look, I said, st- <laughs> <laughs> hi, Ted. Yeah, yeah, hi. Look, I started golf when I was seven and eight, and I lived near Elsinore Golf Course, and I don't know why I took up golf. I think I took up golf because it was there. Yeah. And like all young kids, obviously I must have been good at it because I continued, and I think that's how it all starts. Okay. And uh, I became a golf professional and all that sort of business, and I came up with all these old golf clubs. I can remember going to Royal Melbourne when I was probably 12 and 13 and going out the back of the room, and I would say 80% of the golf clubs in that era, and I'm talking like the late 50s, were still Hickory Golf Clubs. Wow. Still hickory golf. Clubs. Sorry, when was this? Nine, in the late nineteen fifties. Is that right? Yeah. Really? And wow. in fact, if you went out on Ladies' Day at Royal Melbourne in nineteen fifty-eight or fifty-nine, I'd say half the field had hickory. We're still using hickory wow. golf clubs. Or the pretend ones, you know, the what, the steel no, ones. No, no, there wasn't the pretend ones. It was the real ones. Yeah, yeah no, right. they. It was just something they got used to. They didn't change. They didn't see any need to change. So they kept the product until something came along. Now the other thing that's happened is that in the real old days. Um, when you go back to the first golf pro, Alan Robinson, and, and they made those golf balls featheries, which is where their income came from, and then they developed a golf ball made out of rubber, and that was the transition, which we're still seeing today. Yeah. So in the old days, in my old days, when we say like the, the 50s and 60s, the golf clubs were heavy, strong, and solid, but the golf balls were soft. Mm. Now, today it's the reverse. Yeah. Today the golf ball is hard, and the golf clubs are soft. Mm, They're longer. They have inter- They have soft shafts. They have big heads, and the big transition that's changed the golf more than the golf ball is a metal-headed driver. Yeah, yeah, very true. Yeah, just like uh, a certain chap in, in Australian cricket who tried to use an aluminium bat oh, yeah, and they DK. threw him out. They did. They remember that was interesting. Yeah, wasn't yeah. They, they I wonder like, why that didn't. How well, that didn't take because off. it went it went against the grain. Yeah, yeah, but like everything else goes against the grain, and you just accept it. Well, like well, eventually, yeah. eventually it becomes the norm. Look, you know, the, like uh, steel bats. Well, in I, I don't know. Ball. I mean, I yeah. mean, the, the cricket authorities, um, the cricket authorities obviously didn't. You know, that, that'd be like uh, going completely against the tradition of the game, changing the, the you know the, the bat from timber to aluminium. But you know what? Things happen. Yeah. I mean, it's um, you know. I just as a footnote, uh, or as a post, not even a postscript, just a side thing. 
I should point out that I had a nine holes with you two two weeks ago after shooting. Eleven holes. <laughs> Eleven <laughs> And the day before I'd shot five over and was very excited about the state of my golf game. Yeah. And then so this is the thing about playing golf with professionals. And then we get to the first hole and I hit, and it was a fine shot. We get to the second hole and I hit a pretty good one. And then it was hit it again and I'll video you. And then every swing... <laughs> Nearly every swing afterwards was a reminder of, oh, no, try, no, do this, do, and which was very nerve wracking as a golfer because you yeah, but it was know, for us too. Yeah, and, yeah, and we just yeah. like watching movies. Yeah. But, 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 I've, but I've got to say, I'm pleased to report to the viewers that the, the, um, the, 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 the standout for the day when we played two or three weeks ago for a, for a, for a, for a, for a big man and uh, who's tall with a big rig. Was he had one of the most narrow stances yeah. that I'd that I'd seen? Yeah, and we both said to each other, "Surely he's got to get his feet, you know, shoulder width apart to give himself some sort of chance of not swaying." Yeah. As soon as you did it, you started nailing it, and I'm pleased that you've called me and said, "Hey, yeah. the new wide stance is actually yeah. really no, good." The, the, and that was the interesting thing. It was amazing, but it, it was all the different. So it was a history lesson. So it's sort of like what we're going to do a little bit of today. It was a history lesson in reminders of how to swing a golf club, but not in a normal today sense. But in, you know, Nicholas talked about being in a barrel and Sneed talked about having his, you know, right heel off the ground before he got. So it was the old fashioned lessons in the new game. So it was terrific. Just just, just for the record. I, I loved it. And have played better as a result. Well, those things that Nicholas and, and Sneed and all those chaps used in the 20s and 30s and 40s are still being used by the professionals today. Yeah. yeah in fact, I've got a golf book at home printed by um, Taylor, one of the great J.H. Taylor. And it's a book on how to play golf. And if you weren't looking at the cover of it, you'd think you're watching something about today. He talks about square club fates at the top, don't swing too far, turn your hips on the way down. It's Nothing's changed. Yeah. I mean, the golf club is still the same. Now, there's one other thing I want to introduce, if I can. Um, if you go back to the 50s and 60s, golf, golf clubs were manufactured by the, the local golf professional. And in that era... The golf professionals and the good amateurs dictated the golf clubs. Today, it's being organised, controlled and driven by the manufacturers. And the golfers have no say in it. Right. They're just given the product and say, well, this is the new stuff and away we go. Yeah, because occasionally you'll find an old club and it'll have such, such and such Calara. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. And so you knew where it came from. Yeah. And so yeah. that's the pro's design. That's right. So, well, but funny enough, that's been going on for a long time, Andrew. So... What you're right. So you, t- you go back to the to the Aussie brands of East Brothers, Chesterfield, into PGF. They had a home brand, and um, it was a um, the uh, the foundries out at Lithgow would knock out the heads. They would stamp Dave Mercer Calera Golf Club on it, um, or Jack Nicholas Slazenger, and that's and that's that's how they sold the clubs. Now, if you go back to the turn of the century, um, a lot of the hickory clubs that I um, that I collect and have run into. Uh, are, are all the same, or all very similar blanks out of uh, that were forged in Scotland with different names on it. So you know this is nothing new. Okay. You know, and, and, but however, today, yeah, it's 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 a different world. Today, yeah. it's yeah. it's uh, you know, it's it's, it's all about distance. So just quickly, how were the uh, how was the New South Wales Hickory Championship down the? Uh, you know what? It, it was absolutely fantastic. It was. Um, no, for those for those of the viewers that haven't played hickory golf, it's a um, it, it, it's a wonderful thing to do. I mean, if, if you haven't done it, you're basically playing with a you know six seven eight piece set um, of wooden shafted clubs. 
that um, that if you don't hit it out of the middle, your teeth rattle. Um, they're, they're, they're not forgiving at all. Yeah. But it, it, the, the satisfaction you get out of hitting one good shot all day is, is, is amazing. Now, uh, Barrel Golf Club is a, is, a, is a course founded in 1901, which is a couple of years before Manly. And the original nine holes were laid down by Dan Souter, who actually laid down the original nine holes here at Manly. And what I loved about um, the experience at, at Barrel was the old-fashioned design. It, it, it's, in, it's in the Southern Highlands. It's cold. It's wet. They've got these upside-down saucer greens, which we all hate. However, how clever, how yeah. clever these early designers were that built these little little boutique greens that you'd you'd struggle to hit with a wedge or a nine iron, let alone a five iron, that had fall away signs, fall away edges and false fronts, purely for irrigation, for the water being a heavy rainfall area, could could dissipate, you know, after a few hours of rain. I thought it was fantastic. It was very, very tricky. And um and you know, Tim Sayers who's probably the the uh, the top hickory guy going around these days shot a 76 71 par 72 off the stick and, and, and just absolutely fantastic golf um, so you know it just goes to show you even with old old equipment if you know how to play the game um, and you know and you treat the game like a game of chess where yeah. you just sort of you're plodding your way around you're trying to forge your pars it's yeah can't tell you how much fun it is. So there's a lot to learn from that, isn't it? There's yeah. To plot your way around the course as opposed to bludgeon it. Well, it's like a game of chess. I yeah. mean, you stand on the tee and you want to hit it on a certain side of the fairway, thinking about what type of shot you want to play into the green. And I must I must also mention here, listeners, that I would have played the hickories, but I'm too old. What do you mean? <laughs> Not at all. Well, I'm too old well, to play. The, no, <laughs> the thing is, how, what are you, 70 what? 77. 77. Yeah. So there's guys who are in their... Certainly, seventies. Well, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you something. Uh, how old is Bob Charles? Ninety. Ninety. Yeah. Bob Charles two weeks ago yeah, won the New, New Zealand Hickory Championships. Yeah. Now, there you go. He, he, here's old Charlie. That's New still Zealand legend. Bob New Charles. Zealand legend. British Open winner. Left-handed. Left-handed. Maybe one of the greatest left-handed golfers of all time. He went out and he beat all of the young guys, and we had scratch markers there from all over New Zealand, and the, probably the best of the Australian contingent from Queensland. And our good mate Darren Watt from uh, New South Wales went went over there and played, and Charlie was was too good. He he took the he took the prize, and I'm 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 thrilled that. Uh, and he also did a a fantastic off the stick off the stick. <laughs> yeah, off the stick. Yeah, he's ninety. He's ninety. <laughs> yeah, yeah, incredible. So, what other sport do you play at ninety that you bowls. played when you were nine? Bowls. Bowls. No, no. You play bowls with your grandparents. It, you don't play the yeah. bowls at nine. Yeah, yeah. not playing touch footy at ninety. No. <laughs> Okay, well, listen, um, uh, the reason I wanted to, well, part of the reason I wanted to chat is I went to the Snowy Mountains with my son Felix, went fishing, and then I said to him, you know, can we stop in at Canberra on the way home because there's a a junk shop there. It's actually a tip. There's a few of them. Oh, okay. And what they do is when things get tipped, they inspect them and then they put them in this huge warehouse. So there's bikes and stoves and things and there's a whole section of golf clubs. Oh, wow. Like Didn't know that. a whole that. section of golf clubs. Oh, my God, I've got to take a trip so there. A, so I can't tell you where it is because no. you're, you're, you're... You've taken it all. Yeah. So the, the black bag I gave you came mm. from there. Fantastic. Right? right, so it's an old pencil bag. Is, is that what you would call it, a pencil yeah, bag? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a Sunday, yeah. Sunday bag Sunday, or a pencil Sunday bag. Sunday bag yeah. from the 40s, yeah. 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 And which I paid a whole... It was a very generous... Um, Christmas present. Yep, thank you. Paid a whole $5 for oh, it. I'm, I'm honoured to have it in my collection. And it's without, yeah. you know, so then what, so I said to Phil, can we stop in there? So I went in, go straight to the golf clubs and I found 
this this bag exactly as it is. Well, that that is right? that is so, that that is marvelous. So have a just have a look, and I just got pretty excited at the yep. thought of what I was. Okay, so so for it's the a brown leather bag. Well, yeah, for the well, it's, it's, it's a Jack Nicholas Club. It's made by Sledge, and it would have been made in Sydney. Um, and it would be made as a mould, and Jack Nicholas's name would have been put on the back probably, stamped on probably it. Probably fifties, sixties, sixties, yeah, sixties. Yeah. Oh, hang on a second. It's, that's the it's the masters. So what, wouldn't that be an American? No, 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 no. It's made in Australia, but that's his. The US Masters is just a co-branding because that identifies Nicholas being a Masters champion. The US right. Masters would have been the tournament really he won the year before, and he came to Australia because all those great players had contracts with Dunlop Soldier. And they were contracted to come out every second year for about 10 years. Right. And they'd come out with no gear and they'd be fitted and yeah. clubs made for them on arrival. Then they yeah. teed up the next week in the Australian Open. And that's how it used to work. Right. So who, who, what pro would... Yeah. And Peter Thompson used to do this all the time. Yep. And he would he was contracted with a company in, in England and he would turn up and they'd have a couple of sets made for him. And uh, so so anyway, just this, just, just this set I'm looking at, it's a 1960 set of irons Sorry, here. Just, how do you know it's made in Australia? Well, I, but, we're just guessing. Because in the 60s, the best steel for golf club heads were produced in Australia. Okay. And a lot of the American companies and a lot of the Japanese companies had their golf heads made here blank and they were sent over and stamped. Right. Now, that was a normal process in the 60s. Well, even the Japanese? Did. Even the Japanese. Yeah, far they're, superior. They're the best now, right? Now yeah. it's reversed. Yeah. Now it's reversed. And the other interesting thing about this set of golf clubs, it's got a wrap-on leather grip yeah. because Nicholas couldn't use rubber grips because he was allergic to the rubber and, used to, and his hands and arms used to sweat. So he stayed with leather grips when everyone moved towards the... The cords and the, yeah. and, the and the the other now, types so, of products. So, so what's what's interesting about this is that it, it's a wrap-on leather grip, where they've got little grooves between the fingers. Now that is magnificent. Now of course, <laughs> Andrew's first first comment, Ted was was um, I want to lengthen these clubs and I want to change the grips. And the answer right. to that is Absolutely no. Absolutely not. You that, don't that do anything. Like sacral- it cha- <laughs> you cannot do that. But, no. Okay, but the thing is that like that they're an inch and a half. Too short. Okay, well, get get well, only, well, only what you're compared and you're used to. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah okay, so so you know, uh, welcome to improvisation. <laughs> okay, so while, while, while we're on this, just note, stand closer to the ball <laughs> and get, bend your knees a bit more. Yeah. So on that note, I've got uh, two sets of irons here, um, Andrew, that I want to just talk to the listeners about. I've got a, I've got a 1950 set of top flight spalling irons. Hang on, before we get to those, mm-hmm. do you, gonna, you were going to say something about. Before I interrupt, how do you know they're Australian? Oh, because that was the steel in that yeah. era. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, so- and having seen many of these come through, um, you know, through the different pro shops I've been at the years, I know that they're all Australian because that's what they sold. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So back then you had um, you had East Brothers, Slazenger, Spalding. That was kind of it. Yeah. Who who took over from East Brothers, Chesterfield, and some of the early companies of the. 30s and 40s in okay. Sydney. Keep in mind that AG Spallings and Sons were the first worldwide manufacturers of golf equipment. Right. Oh, okay. They went into baseball. Yeah. They went into basketballs. They were, and they were great ball makers and, as well as golf, but they were the first. Okay. And their factory was in Sunshine in Melbourne. Yeah. And Peter Thompson, when he left school, became an industrial chemist, and his first job was working for AG Spallings at, out there in Sunshine. Yeah, right. Yeah. Is there any... Um, 
There's no nine iron with the set. That's yep. the only thing wrong with it. That's so okay. And the woods. So what about the? the yeah, the, the woods are in are in mint condition. They are fantastic woods. You've got a two wood and a four wood. Yeah. And back in the day, two wood was a really big club. It was like a it was like a uh, an additional driving club. Yeah. And it was a or, or a strong fairway wood. And and generally in that area, you had one, two, three, and four wood yeah. in the bag. Yeah. So da- Darius Darius Oliver. Yep. Yeah. He plays with a four or a five wood, yep. yeah. And he's normal, and he goes and went. We played once, and he said, "I can hit any shot I want with this particular club." Mm. Yeah. So it's not a bad. Well, you've got to be a very good golfer, but it's not a bad addition to have like a funky four wood. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, in your, I mean, in your normal. Yeah. Set, I mean, I mean, for the for the for the older listeners um, that, are, that are online here that, that would remember the uh, PGF Sharpshooter or. Uh, I think it was called the Sharpshooter or the Little Ripper. Yeah. And it was a, it was like a equivalent of a seven wood, and it was the smallest little head you've ever seen. And it, you could hit it out of a divot, out of the rough, and you could pretty much hit it on the green from 175 metres, which would be like a four iron. So, I mean, I, yeah. these um, So, they, they, you know, these clubs from these here, they don't make things – I mean, that the, the, the manpower – the man, pa- the uh, just the manpower that would have gone in and the labour gone into making a set of clubs for yesteryear um, is, is is night and day. They used to be presented. They would turn up in a box. Um, <laughs> they turn up in a box, not just wrapped in a box, but individually in a slot in a box. Yeah. Um, and it was just a, it was it was a masterpiece, and it was very and, and obviously the highlight was getting the new set and and, and re- the reveal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's the opening. It's like that that YouTube opening but thing I'll, we had just kids be, opening be, Before presents. I digress again, which I'm, I've become quite good at, I just wanted to just to touch on some of the um, just 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 so just. But to, hang on, just before we finish on on these, because then because the, the, I mean honestly, the golf clubs in here are a joke. Like no, no, they're, <laughs> like they're beautiful. Like you know, yeah. their artworks. So what value, as a as opposed to no value, is there on a set like that? Depends who you're talking to. Yeah, right. it's valuable to someone. It looks like an antique. Yeah. What you're looking at today is is antique furniture, except it's made out of metal and it's called a golf club. Yeah. So the same system works. If you're able to get a set of golf clubs that are 100 years old, you're going to pay a thousand times more than what it was worth when they bought it. Right. In the 20s or 30s. Or, or, no, or, <laughs> or, or, or nothing. Or nothing. However, or however um, the, the set that you've bought in today, these Jack Nicholas Schlesingers, you could probably pick it up on eBay um, without a word of a lie for $60 for the whole lot. Yeah. Mm. Right? And including the mint bag. Including including, including the, the original bag. leather bag that's got a built-in hood, yeah. matching putter, <laughs> matching woods. It's a flipping masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. But your average Joe who's spoiled with a 7-iron that goes 180 metres, mm. right, because, because, you know, all modern-day clubs are a bag of 4-irons, let's be honest, with the lofts. <laughs> These, what we're looking at here are original clubs from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s era that had traditional lofts. And a traditional loft, for example, uh, a pitching wedge was 48 to 50 degrees. These days, it's 41, 42, 43. Mm. And you look down at it and you go, oh, my God, it's like an 8 or a 9 iron, probably closer to an 8 iron. Mm. So for me, um, uh, you know, having played golf since um, since the uh, since the mid to late 70s, I got used to a trajectory with a 7-iron that went up a certain height, landed a certain from a certain velocity, whereas now a lot of the modern-day clubs that I try, the many fitting days I do, come out like a 5-iron. They come out... Yeah. Would you agree with that, Ted? Yeah, but not only are they stronger in loft, they're also longer. 
So you've got you've got a seven iron, mm. which is really a five iron of the old days. Yeah. Both in length and in angle, except the middle piece, the shaft is lighter, and they get. I mean, this is a selling tool, of course, because someone says to them, "Now, what do you hit on the fourth hole?" And they say, oh, "Well, I normally hit a, a four iron." Well, I've got a new set of golf clubs out here, and I can get that one with a six iron. Yeah, and it's, that's all it's about. It's, so. it's funny. I play with a, one of the older players at Long Reef, who's a scratch marker, and yeah. you know, and on a par three, and I said, "Oh, what'd you hit?" And he goes, "Don't, don't look at what I hit." <laughs> yeah. And I went, "Oh, why?" And he goes, "Because." And he, so I think I'd hit a nine. Yeah. But I, so I play with Hogan's that are traditional lofts. Yeah, yeah. And he's he hit a seven. A seven. Right. But he goes, "I just hit it," and he's all handsy. Yeah, you know, like he's and he's. It's throwing. the old way of playing. Yeah, yeah. And so at Long like, Reef, you got to play with your hands because of the wind. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. Now to the listeners, I'm showing uh, Andrew a photograph here of some golf clubs. It's a one wood and a three wood, and it's a set of irons from from a two iron to a nine iron, and it would have also included a sand iron, and they were owned by Bruce Devlin, and Bruce Devlin. That's all he used in his bag. There was no others, nothing else extra, and he won the Australian Amateur, and he also then won the Australian Open as an amateur. Right. And that's what he used. Now, apparently this... Um, two to wedge. T- yeah, two, yeah, two to wedge. That's what it was. And um, when you look at these types of things, you think to yourself, well, how in the world can a guy go to America and win all these tournaments and be a superstar with a set of equipment that today they would just laugh at? And yeah. um, now Hogan says that Bruce Devon was the only player who ever watched to hit golf balls. Now, for what reason was because of his speed of his hips and yeah. how late he developed into the golf ball. So there's there's a guy. But what you I think what you've also got to understand is that that's what we had. Um, there wasn't a, a great arsenal of extras. You see, that's all you were presented with. So you learned to play it. Yeah. And I can go out and play with Phil and we can get to a golf hole and we could hit three or four different clubs into the middle of the green on a par three. Yeah. Forget there's a number on the bottom of the head. Now today that, you couldn't do that, and that's yeah, that and that's and and sadly, um, that's that's what's missing with a lot lot of the younger generation is that it's all about driver wedge on every hole. It's bionic. The ball, golf ball goes as far as it goes 30, 40 yards further than the golf ball used to at least for, yeah. for any any level of golf, um, and it doesn't it doesn't move through the air left to right or right to right to left a great deal. It's it's just. What they've developed with a golf ball these days is um, is a very very firm uh, inside with it with a soft cover that goes forever. So, okay. so is that why golf to watch on the telly, the pros, is, is has a tendency to be a bit boring, uh, a lot boring? Like it's not. Well, there's, there's not interesting. much. There's not much risk and reward. The yeah. There's not much risk and reward. I mean. I mean, my favourite tournament by far is the US Masters every year. And, yeah. and if we think about Amen Corner, where, you know, you get down the bottom of the course at Augusta. I've been fortunate enough to have been there, been there a couple of times. I know you've been there, Ted. You get down to, you get down to Amen Corner and there's these two par fives that back in the 70s and 80s, I get up of a Monday morning, I'm watching the live uh, telecast, watching Ben Crenshaw, Hubert Green, Nicholas tackling 13 and 15 with a fairway wood. For two, uh, Seve and by, stopping it on the green. Seve Ballesteros into 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 uh, number thirteen, hitting a drive and a forward to, to eight feet and making eagle and going on to win. I mean, now I mean I remember five, six, seven years ago, Bubba Watson hit a gap wedge for his second into into. <laughs> please, yeah, 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 yeah. What's happened? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I mean now, I mean now, Augusta's obviously built the new tee on thirteen, and it's uh, 
it's back in the back in the in the bushes, yeah. and and they're they're actually hitting long shots in, but the golf ball's going further as well. Yeah. So so what's the joy of the old stuff then? It's it, it is it is definitely the the satisfaction of the of of the contact. Okay, so. The steel, the steel back in the back in the day was softer. It was a mild steel. It was receptive to the ball, and when you hit it out of the middle, it felt like nothing else. I find today, with the many fitting days that I do with all the companies, it's very clicky. The sound off the club face is very clicky, like you're hitting a rock ball. Whereas um, I'm a I'm a little bit of a uh, lover of Japanese golf clubs being a softer steel. And as a golfer and as a professional, I definitely feel the difference. Would you agree, Ted? Oh, absolutely. Off the yeah. softer steel yeah. stuff. It's a feel and touch thing. But, of course, our era was developed around that feel and touch. And today's era, it's all about hitting the ball as far as you can. Yeah. And if it makes a noise that's different to what we had, who knows, who cares? And it's only yeah. about getting it onto the green and holding it. So yeah. it is I don't know who's right and who's wrong. Yeah, I don't think there's a, I don't, actually yeah. don't think there is a right and a wrong. And yeah. you've got a young trainee pro here, Will, who's yeah. played with – one day, who hits the ball into oblivion, like literally. Yeah, well, and and to see to see that up close yep. is actually really it's, quite it's exciting. amazing. Yeah. But but what I'm hearing from Ted, so his name's Will Bayless, and he 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 can drive the first at Manly, and it's a and the 18. Yeah, like it's it's you know for me it's it's a full drive and a wedge, <laughs> but he can drive it there for one. And we had a game recently at Eleanora, and he drove two par fours, and he hit every par five with an iron. Now. I've never had that length in my life, mm. and never will. But this this generation today, they're fit. They're they're fit. They have speed. The equipment um, the the equipment is bionic, yeah. and um, you know. And this same young boy, Will, he uh, played a, a trainees tournament last week at Camden, I think. Cam- yeah, yep, Camden, Camden, and shot eight under. Yeah, eight under par. Did that win? Yeah, yeah, by five. One by five. five. <laughs> but oh. you know, it's just it, it's uh, and you know it's. Um, you know, for, for me, um, Ted, Ted touched on it before. When we go out and play a few holes after work, we might be 140 metres from the from the flag, which for me is generally a seven iron. But yep. when we play golf, we could hit seven, six, five, depending on what kind of a shot we want to play. So we might choke down on a five iron, open the face, and just hit a little clipper in there, which is like a three-quarter swing that just gets the ball tumbling up in front of the green and that's just a different style of golf that yeah. that you know used to from yesteryear from Scotland when there weren't a lot of bunkers in front of the greens where you could use the ground to control your ball yeah and that's what we like okay yeah. tell me about the um this set of okay so so I've got um I've got a couple of sets here personally I've got um I use Mizuno's today yeah but I've got two I've got three sets of irons here that I want to talk about today I've got a 1950s set of Spalding um, this is 50s? Yep, yeah, yeah they're 50s. Yeah. And one of the members here gave me those. He said, would you like them? And I um, I put some new grips on them. I took them down to the practice. Okay, so you can you can grip yours, but I can't grip mine. No, 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 but your, yours had your, yours had original leather grips. I had an old, I had an old shiny set of, of uh, golf prides on them, yeah. and they were legless. Right. So as soon as I put a nice set of grips, I went down to the range. They, sell, they felt absolutely sensational. Uh, however... They were probably two clubs, one to, to a club to a club and a half shorter than the modern day. So a seven iron would go a similar distance to a nine iron today. But okay. did they feel good? Oh my god! Right. Now that set of clubs that uh, Phil's talking about, the Spallings, they were made in America, made out of steel, but they're chrome plated to make them look pretty. And the Americans had this big thing in the fifties and sixties that the clubs should be shiny, 
and they chrome plated all their golf clubs, which we never did, and the English never did, and the Japanese never did. But that's okay. what you're seeing there. It's, it's a chrome plated American made set of spoilings and a magnificent set of golf clubs in that era. Now, when we look at the shape, let's talk about the shape of the head, Ted. So yeah. when we look at the shape of the head, we froth. We just go, oh my God, does, does it get any better? Does it get any better than that shape? Yeah. yeah Today, yeah. the clubs just look like a bag of five-ons. I'm sorry, companies, but that, they, there, is no, there is no shelf appeal to me with many of the modern-day clubs unless they come out of Japan. They yeah. do look like a bag of five-irons because they are a bag, a bag of five-irons. <laughs> this is interesting because this is a really the, – the, yeah. it's all the back – so it's three three steps of steel. It's called yeah. a muscle back? Yeah, yeah. So it's a, but it's a three-step muscle back. Yep. It's yeah. a very, very thin top line. It's where yep. it's pressed. And then slightly more and then slightly yeah. more. And the new – well, when the Hogan Company, the new version of the Hogan Company, yep. which has just gone broke – their new blade irons are almost identical to this. Isn't that amazing? And it's yeah. come yeah. full circle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can't really do much more to a to a um, to a bladed club with a muscle back than than what you see today. I mean, Adam Scott right now is using a magnificent set of Mayuras, which is probably the number one um, Japanese foundry. Yeah. And a lot of the big companies like um, Mizuno, um, Bridgestone, Yamaha. Um, over the years, um, have, have 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 you know have their clubs um, made all the blanks in, in the Moira factory? Yeah. Keeping in mind that the other advent of golf clubs was the cavity back, which was invented by Pink. Yeah. And uh, that was the start of the irons being hit club two clubs club and a half longer than normal. And back in the sixties, there was a set of Gary Player clubs came out with the cavity back. Black Knight. Uh, no, he wasn't known as the Black Knight in those days. He, but the faces were convex, and because the faces were convex, what? the golf ball went half a club longer. Yeah. Hang on, convex east to west? Convex, not concave, not concave, but actually the other way. The other, oh, the way. other way, right. It had a bow in it. Like, okay, it looked, yeah, like yeah, you're sorry. looking at a ball. Yeah. And that was then banned originally, um, or eventually, by the Royal Nation. But that's, that's but the drivers are now convex, aren't they? You will live always. Yeah, they've like always, always had what we call roll and bulge. Yeah, okay. they've roll always been bulge. like that, yeah. roll and bulge, yeah. <laughs> Yes, I don't know what which, which you don't see these days. It's just like a. It's almost like a, like a right angle to yeah, the what, shaft. What have Taylor May got now? They've got the. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Now, the other interesting thing about this distance and old golf clubs, um, there was a couple of chaps back in the 20s and 30s that had golf driving ranges in England, and they had all their wooden heads clubs made of aluminium. 
So they were using metal-headed drivers in the 20s and 30s right? so mm. that they would last longer because people used to smash the wood up. Yeah, very And true. is that one of the dangers now with, the, with the, using the old woods that you're going to smash them with the, with the new oh, woods? Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean the, 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 old, the old hickories, the old, old hickories, and even the old persimmons um, and laminated woods from the 60s and they're 70s. Brittle, they're brittle now. They're brittle. They? I mean, yeah. like the modern-day golf ball is basically a – a rock with a soft cover. I mean, um, you know, f- for the people that remember the Pinnacle and the Molotov from the 1970, yeah, from well, the late from yeah. the late late 70s, early 80s, the Molotov, which was a spalling ball, used to go further than anything. It was just basically concrete with a cover. Yeah. Well, guess what? The new Pro V is the old Molotov with a soft cover. Really? There we yeah. go. Yeah. Technology they would be is devastated to you. Oh, oh. returning in their graves. Nothing's yeah. new, of course, is there? Okay. So I love the the, the Spaldings. These are beautiful. Beautiful, yep. clearly. Yeah. Thank you. And then you go one step further forward. Yeah, so that was fifties. Like fifties. Now, now we're now we're now we're into the eighties. Okay, so what, yeah. sorry, what value on the on the top flights? The top flights, I reckon you would probably pay a hundred dollars or three and three and seventy. Yeah, right. You 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 you, no, you know that I'm I'm lying. If you saw them, you saw them on the side of the road in in a in a, in a um, council pickup. You would just go, oh, they're worth fifty dollars, and I've seen them online. New matching sets from them for fifty dollars. They're worth nothing. Yeah. However, as soon as I hit them, I feel like they're worth a thousand because yeah, they're no. that good. Like how they how they fine tuned clubs back in the day was second to none. The next set we're looking at is a thirty five year old set of Hogan blades. Now, I'm fortunate enough to get given given these by a member, who um, and these are the, uh, Hogan Apex, and they have. They have a very interesting characteristic about them. Now, um, Andrew, you'd notice if you look at the hosel horizontally, it's got a bit of a bow in the in a bit, a bit of a bow in the hosel. Mm. This way, okay, this way. Mm. So, so basically, what Hogan believed that he believed that if he bent the he bent the neck almost like hitting the toe of the club with a heavy mallet and bending it toe down, that it moved the center of gravity more to the middle of the face. That was his belief. And this was the last set of clubs made with that grind, and I've got to tell you, um, I um, I took these out. They, they, these these have not been touched. Once again, I was like you. I wanted to lengthen them because they're about an inch too short for me. Ted said, "Do not mess with the integrity of the design." I, too, um, if you want to lengthen them, they get too heavy. They get too, yeah. they, they get too heavy. So yeah. I took them down to the range, and the first shot was, uh, unfortunately, the lie angle suits me. They're, they're very flat because they're short. Yeah. Um, I just went, whew, just flushed it, and um, it, it, remarkable how good the contact is. Now, there's a one and two on in this set which you could shave with. <laughs> right, they, They're very small. And Phil does. And, and I've got to tell you, how good oh. How good does the ball come off with a one um, and two iron? Unbelievable, yeah. Now you'd For think, our era, they just, they're just you, Your average young pro yeah. go, well, that's not possible to hit that. You can hit it. And yeah. I think the discipline of... The young the, kids can't hit it. The, the, but, the, but the discipline back in the day, if I think back of um, 12-year-old kid going to the Australian Golf Club, watching the Australian Open, and we're talking Nicholas... We're talking Hubert Green. We're talking um, Gary Player. All of the, they're all there. They're all using blade clubs, and they were hitting one iron. One irons was a standard in all their bags. And what you're looking at here, Andrew, is a one iron from 35 years, years years ago, which really didn't change much over a 30, 40 year period in design. Which has got a sweet spot of about a 10 cent piece. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you miss hit it. Your teeth, uh, your, teeth, your teeth rattle. Yeah, yeah. And the one iron of that era today is basically a three iron. 
really. I think, and, and you know, um, okay. yeah, and, 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 and very strong loft. And if yeah. I think, um, and without digressing, you know. Yeah. It, what, the one iron of, of the old days is today's three iron. Okay. In loft. In loft, yeah. In, in terms of the way the wall oh, is oh, hit, oh. The, 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 the flight pattern and the distance it, it hits, it's, it's about a three iron. Okay. Yeah. Because I've still got, actually, I've got a one iron that belonged to Hogan, which was a set of golf clubs he gave me back in the 70s. And when I hit that one iron flush and I hit a new three iron, which I've got, they both go the same distance. Okay. Yeah. Just just in terms of what Phil's talking about with the um, that angle in the in the hosel. Yeah, just what it is is to this. Get a, to get a sense of that is... See, what he's done is that the, all the clubs were hit that way. Yeah. It's hard to explain this, but they hit the toe of the club and push it back and you get like a little bit of a bend. And the point of that was... If you hang the club up with your fingers from the top of the butt, it, ha- it falls into the middle part of the golf club. So they're all what we would call centred. That's where the centre is. Yeah. yeah. So if you take, if you were to take your any standard golf club now, hold it up, so the face hangs down towards the ground. Yes. Yeah. When you look at the and hold it up at eye level, when you look at that angle of yeah. the hosel, which is probably straight on the club, there, there, there is there is there is a bow. It's, it's like a, a droop. Yeah, it's, a, it's a bump. It could That's easily sure. go up a mill or a mill and a half. That's right? it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and and you can only do that, Andrew, because the steel was so soft that you could actually move it. Yeah. Whereas today, if a member comes in and wants to change the loft and line their club, um, often we have to heat the uh, heat the steel to be able to bend it without actually ruining, without without you know the risk of breaking it. Yeah, but um, but you know, um, on, on this note, one thing I want to share with the listeners: this era of clubs um, back in the day, uh, and we're, at the moment we're sort of looking at clubs from the fifties and sixties. I can't stress how good a golfer Jack Nicholas, Greg Norman, Bruce Devlin, these guys were to be able to hit a one and a two iron off the deck, off a tight lie and flush it. You know, two hundred yards onto a green, it was just stock standard. It was yeah. just like hitting a six on, and they, they were really, really good strikers. Yeah. Um, and 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 I think you know, there's you know, we marvel at all the strikers these days, but definitely um, yeah. equipment's made made it easier. So what's the so what are we going to do with all this stuff, right? Apart from play with it once or twice a year, you know, like surely that clubs like this should. Have it, or you know, long reef or wherever you play. There should be a, there could be a day where you go. We're going to play with old gear from the fifties. I love it. From yeah. the, you know, as a, it's a non-handicap. It's like having the masters comp yeah. at your club. I mean, you could do that. I, doing- I've, I've got a concept for you, Andrew. So, okay, so there's a little bit of controversy out there at the moment with 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 uh, PJ Tour versus Live. Yeah. What about if we? What about if we threw in a uh, an event just once a year? Yeah. For all the PJ Tour players, yeah, where you had to use blades from the seventies with yeah. persimmon woods and the old ball, yeah, it'd be great. That would attract more viewers and attention than live, and that's huge because it's it's real golf. Mm. I mean, they're, they're talking. Well, it's now now golf is real golf, obviously. True, but but real old fashioned golf, golf fashion where you golf. see people actually manipulate mm. swings and things and save shots and and. I read um, I read something really interesting last night, middle of the night, um, about uh, Phil doesn't sleep. Yeah, and um, I'm just a bit of a fan of golf. But this this was this was talking about the best strikers, some of the best strikers of all time were between 1900 and 1930 because they used to shoot they used to shoot one and two over par in Scotland on, on on very poorly conditioned golf courses with very average equipment with a very average golf ball that wasn't round 
Yes. So they used to manage to <laughs> navigate themselves around Presswick, St Andrews, Muscle, Muscle Borough, some of these old courses and shoot, you know, around the par mark with a six-piece hickory shafted set with a with, with, with a ball that wasn't round and just I, I, you've got to get your head around how good those early players were. Right, and it, that's short, that's in short game as well, isn't it? Like unbelievable short games. Incredible. Have to be. Incredible. Right. Well, they just they were used to those conditions because they were the only conditions they, they ever saw, they ever yeah. felt. They, they were, didn't see anything worse or better. Right. It was just the normal thing. So I wonder how they'd go if they turned up to Joe, it. Joe Kirkwood went to America and won the US Open with a set of golf clubs and he had seven clubs. He actually had six clubs and a putter. Right. And he won the US Open. He, so. won, he won the Australian Open with a six-piece set with two woods that he handmade himself. There you go. <laughs> right. I mean, I, when I arrived today and looked at the club here, the course, and it just looks... Amazing. It does. Like the yeah. greens just look. The presentation. Is, yeah, look, yeah, yeah. Very different. Now, I've, I've got something else here for you, Andrew. I've got uh, two shafts. I've got a shaft here from the 1900s, which is a blank, and I have a modern-day graphite shaft. And I just want you to feel them and have a look at it and tell me, tell the, just tell the listeners what you... <laughs> well, the hickory... Uh, okay, so the hickory is a... Um, looks like the shape of a lady's... Uh, a lady's body, it's got, <laughs> you know, there's a shoulder and a, and a hip to it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like, and it's beautiful. I mean, obviously, I mean, but, I love timber. You sound anyway. like Barry Humphrey. <laughs> but, but, but what about... You got cancelled. But, but, but what about the, but what about the, the, the craftsmanship just in the, in the, in the, um, in, in the, in the, um, the detail in the, in the, in the neck, you know, yeah, where, yeah. Where, where it goes into the hosel. You can see that that's been turned. And I think back in the day, um, from the early readings I've done of the, um, you know, the, 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 the old... Um, golf golf shops and whatnot in St Andrews. Um, pre-turning equipment, everything was done with a with a, with, a, with a hand with hand, hand lathe. Yeah, hand lathe and, yeah. and and files and and you know how you got fitted then is they'd make you a, a brassy, yeah. and you'd take it out there and, and you'd come back and sorry it's a little bit doesn't feel right it's a bit too firm pro no problems and he'd soften the shaft by rubbing the inside of the shaft with a bit a bit of cut glass and what that would do was just soften the shaft and give it a bit more kick point all feel and touch yeah, yeah. so I mean I think that's pretty amazing it is amazing keeping in mind that hickory. Is a tree that grows in the water in in the in places like Florida, and it comes out, and that's how they, and they produce that what you've got in your hand out of a tree root. Okay, so it's, it really that's right. so Australian hickory is that no, so it's all no, comes from America. Okay, hickory, yeah, good for gold sticks and barbecue. But yeah. but 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 may I add, um, the uh, the woods were made from uh, fruit trees. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know. The guy that we really should be having, we should be talking about all of this is is, is Ross Baker, yeah, who, um, yeah, yeah, who's you know who's got the biggest collection of different era golf clubs in Australia, uh, thousands and thousands of clubs, and um, and, and he knows everything about yeah. about about every era, and um, and it's just it is a history lesson spending an hour with with, with this fellow who yeah. still hand makes the so what, so what 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 happens to all these things? There's a bit of a debate with the hickories that you know we shouldn't be using the old stuff we should be preserving those yep and then we should be playing with the reproduction yep hickories and phil uses reproduction yeah, yeah. and i'm not sure where i sit on that i kind of like the idea of playing with the old stuff yeah okay so so, so, so it won't last forever though will it no no, no, no but, okay so, yeah. so 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 to answer that i mean there's um you know we, we we've we've got a um we've got a um little history group hickory golfers we're a golf enthusiast there's probably There'd be probably a uh, hundred of us um, Australia wide that play. We, we got a we got a chapter in um, 
in Victoria, Melbourne, Sydney, and 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 Perth. <laughs> oh, there's there's little groups that play the Hickory Golf, and the majority use originals, uh, which we call antique clubs. And a lot of those originals have been reshafted with modern day hickory shafts because they just they're just brittle and they break. Yeah. If you were to get into hickory, you might buy a couple of clubs online. You could get lucky and find one or two that work, but generally, very hard to find anything that works from from the early twenties and thirties. I um, bought myself a set of reproductions from uh, from America from a company called Tadmore Golf. There's Louisville Golf. There's the St Andrews Golf Company that do replicas. However, um, since I produce those, I'm copying a lot of flack from the um, from the fraternity that, look, it's not fair you're using reproductions, and I get that. I think um, he wins too much. <laughs> no, no, I don't. No, and and you know we, we were beaten by a fellow last week who used uh, originals, and just goes to show you that you know that you can still use the old ones. Yeah, quite effectively. Yeah, it's, it's all about the guy driving the. Driving yeah, so the it's car. a sim- it's similar debate to the. New versus old, yeah, like that, like that's the general. Well, thing. in fifty years' time, these three sets of clubs we might be using instead of hickory, yeah, or hundred yeah, years' right. time, whatever. Yeah, actually, that'll be the thing, won't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And keeping in mind, a hickory wasn't the first wooden shafts; they came second. They used things like cherry wood, okay, um, hollow wood, and things like that for shafts, but they were more brittle. Hickory came along and it lasted. That's why they went but, for but, hickory. But for for the record, Andrew, just just on this note, and we'll finish on the hickory uh, in a moment here, is that. In an effort to grow the game, there's more and more people that want to get into hickory, and there's just not any old hickories available online that are worth anything. Well, that that actually works. So, we um, we as an association, Australian Golf Heritage Society, came in line with um, Society of Hickory Golfers in the UK and, and and America, who do allow replicas. They have divisions for both in their tournaments. Yeah. And um, there's that fine line of of tradition versus you know um, being able to grow the game. Yeah. So I'm sort of sip somewhere in the okay, middle. Okay, Greg. Well, yeah. Craig Norman. Yeah, I know, I know. But uh, that's where we're at with that. But, I yeah. want to know who cleans up the mess after they throw all the rubbish. <laughs> and what about the noise? What about a nice quiet walk it, in the it's grass? It is interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that's another story. It is, yeah. So, yeah, so there's definitely a place for the reproductions and, and the olds. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'd invest the money in the reproductions because I'm a tight ass. But um, I also really like the old, you know. Yeah. yeah. And then fixing them when they bits snap off. Yeah, well, that's that's, well, that's that, an expert that, job. Well, that's an expert job, yeah, and that's yeah. fun. I mean, I mean, now if a if a uh, golfer brings in a seven iron for repair, we heat the head, we we mix up some aerodite, we whack a shaft in, and it's all done in a minute. Um, if I think back to even the eighties when I did my apprenticeship, and and Ted, you know, a decade decade or so earlier than that, we used to the, the, to to do repairs on a club. It could take an hour or so to do one club. If you were going to lengthen a club, instead of just gluing in a uh, a graphite plug. You would you would file down a piece of dowel. You would um, you would file it down perfect diameter of the shaft. You would plug it. You would glue it. You would um, you it it would take a long time. It yeah. took a great deal of pride. And I think the, the the golf pro of yesteryear was was respected for being a bit of an all rounder. He was a club maker. He was a club repairer. He was he, he was yeah. more than just selling the um, selling the, the, the balls tees and um, power aids. Yeah, there was a guy called Merv Watriama who was a golf professional at Woiwoi, and I can remember back in the sixties, he would take the young kids out and select a tree, 
and make a golf club, <laughs> the head and the shaft out of a tree. Wow. Amazing. And finish it. Yeah, wow. wow. And those golf clubs are still sitting in one of the golf clubs up the central coast. Yeah. Well, I think, he could make them from nothing. Yeah. I think there's, there's definitely a place for the... I, even if it's a nine-hole afternoon... Oh, absolutely. But, but that's what we like around. to do. Yeah, go and, go and play. So you're not in the comp. You're just yeah. outside the comp playing for fun or a beer or so whatever I'm, I'm, with the old... So I've been a pro here for a long time at Manly. I play in the Wednesday comp with the members with my Mizunos and love it. Of a Friday afternoon, I play with, with another hickory golfer, Dave Saunders. We play nine holes every Friday with the hickories. Absolutely my favourite afternoon of the week. Yeah. And then occasionally I'll go out with Ted with my um, 1950s or 80s blades and I get so much satisfaction out of good contact. Yeah. So it's in- three different sets of golf Three clubs. different sets of golf clubs and, and, that, you, and you adjust. Yeah. So does, you that say, mean, does that you, mean three different sets of games? Three different ga- yeah, yeah, types yeah. of games as well. So you said to me, but they're too short. Well, that's okay. You just you, 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 <laughs> modi- you modify you modify your stance. Yeah. And after a few swings, you you feel the deal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, no, I, I have played with Peter Thompson on a few occasions where he's had brand new sets of golf clubs with no numbers on them, and it made no difference. Right. He just looked at the club and said, that, "That's what I want," and that's how he used to test golf clubs. So they didn't have any lofts on. They didn't know what loft it was. Right. And it made no difference to his ability to hit the golf ball onto the green at yeah. all. Yeah, he was – I remember playing with him once for the Great Outdoors when they opened Moon Links. Oh, yeah. So we Moon, got to play yeah. a couple of yeah. holes. And he goes, <laughs> hit it down the left-hand side of this one. Just down there. All right. And anyway, I'm not good enough to hit it exactly where I want anyway. So he hit it straight at the hole. He goes, oh, you could do that. And then he hits, he hits his shot down the left-hand side. We get to the green. There's one next to the hole. Yeah. And that's it, right? Yeah. I'm like, and I said, oh, is that me? And he goes, no, that's me next to the <laughs> hole. And he goes, you are down in that swale because you hit it. You didn't hit it where I told you to hit. It was amazing. Yeah, and that's where you should have been. Yeah. And he was in his late 70s. I know. You yeah. know. Yeah. And, and listen, the, the, the other thing to, to, to remember, which goes hand in hand with all of these different areas of golf clubs, is um, these days uh, the standard is you have um, – you have measurements on the sprinkler heads. You have 100 and 150 metre trees out in the golf course, which give you a marking of how far you are from the hole. And nearly every golfer has a $500 bushnell, and mm. it's click and click and, um, and uh, get a number, and you hit the, the club accordingly. Um, I, I became pretty good friends with Kel Nagel um, in, in, his, in his later years, and he would talk about, you know, when he was winning, there were no yardage books. He would just he would walk up to the ball and say, yep, it's about a five iron. Yeah, that's and dad. He, and he would eyeball yeah. it. And I love that, 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 that it was just your eyes calculated the distance. There was, there was, there was really no... And, and well, there was another angle. Though. Don't forget the rules at that stage. You weren't allowed to, allowed to walk past your golf ball and you weren't allowed to measure the golf course. And there was no measurements on the fairways. You weren't allowed to walk past the golf course. I've, no. I've never... Didn't know that. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't go past... Wow. wow. Imagine that now. Well, Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, well, that's the, way they, around. that's the way they saw the game. You see, why why walk forward? You know what you're doing here. That's all you need. Yeah, but, you well, know, the, yeah, well, I'm well, just going to walk all the way to the green well, from 120 metres. You look at some of the guys, you know, they, they, they've been carrying on about uh, Patrick Cantlay and his uh, snail pace the last few tournaments. Well, you know, they walk 100 yards up the fairway closer to the hole to get a bit of a view of the flag, and they've already got... They've already got greens, maps, maps of the greens. They've got played everything. a practice round. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, 
I, I just think that, like you said, that there's, there's, a, there's a place for this old gear yeah. and there's a place to respect the old game, which was it really was a game of um, chess where you um, plotted your way around the golf course. You didn't, it wasn't target golf where you hit, hit it to the flag, you actually landed it short and you used the bumps, risers and shoulders to feed the ball to the flag. And I guess that's just the, that's the um, that, you know, that, 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 that beautiful part of the game, that, that, you know, the nostalgic side that we're talking about. And don't forget, Nicholas was the first golfer as a professional to measure a golf course. Right. So, and that was, and because he was winning, yeah. well, we'll all do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the secret. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I think it's a great place to end it. So, and, and, and there is definitely a place for these older golf clubs. Absolutely. And they're great fun to, to play. And you're Nine not holes gonna, with these is just magnificent. Yeah, and you're not going to play that great necessarily, but you might. And that's kind of the lure. Yeah. Mm. Right. I, I think just on closing, I think there would be a lot of listeners out there that would have their grandfather's putter yeah. in the garage that was handed down. And you know what? If, if you're one of those, if you're one of those golfers out there, and you and you and you've got the eight hundred dollars Scotty Cameron, but you've got granddad's old blade putter or whatever, take it out, have a few games with it, learn to love it. And I tell you what, it's what about the enjoyment you get oh, out of that, Ted? Unbelievable. Yeah. Can I just say in closing, in the old days, everyone wore plus fours. The reason they wore plus fours is because the condition of the golf courses was so poor, you got covered in mud. And that's why they wore plus fours. And they played golf in those conditions because yeah. it was a winter sport and they thought that was normal too. Yeah. Great. Ted Sterling, Phil Baird, the best. Love it. After I, you. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I'll see you at the Savo for nine. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Well, yeah, you, fellas. It's been a pleasure. Loved it. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.